am so excited for today's episode with Jenna Lee Rood from the company Raised on Plants. Jenna sat down to really talk with me about pregnancy nutrition, fertility nutrition, and properly nourishing our babies, our toddlers, and our kids, as well as ourselves and the family members that we love. Jenna also is really passionate about unmedicated birthing, and she has a beautiful birth story. She's pregnant again. So at the end, I did a little dueling on her, and you'll have to stick around to listen to her vision for this upcoming birth. All right, let's get to it. What does a contraction feel like? How do I know if I'm in labor? And what does a day of labor look like? Wait, is this normal? Hey, I'm Heidi. My best friends call me Hydes. I'm a certified birth doula, host of this podcast, and author of Birth Story, an interactive pregnancy guidebook. I have supported hundreds of women through their labor and deliveries, and I believe every one of them and you deserves a microphone and a stage. So here we are. Listen each week to get answers to these tough questions. Birth Story, where we talk about pregnancy, labor, deliveries, where we tell our stories and share our feelings. And of course, chat about our favorite baby products and motherhood. And because I'm passionate about birth outcomes, you will hear from some of the top experts in labor and delivery. Whether you are pregnant, trying desperately to get pregnant, or you just love a good birth story, I hope you will stick around and be part of this birth story family. Hey, Jenna, welcome to the birth story podcast. How are you doing today? I'm great. I'm so happy to be here. I know that you're in Charlotte, North Carolina, but I came to you from all of these like crazy intersecting ways through social media. And I was just wondering if you would start by sharing with the audience a little bit about who you are and some of the things that you do that are really empowering for women. Thank you so much. I mean, I'm I'm so grateful that we connected and we have so much in common and I just am honored to be on here. I know there's so many incredible women and mamas who listen to this and I hope that something we share today inspires you in some way. So I'm, I'm a mom. I have a three-year-old. Um, I have another baby girl on the way. So I'm raising daughters, uh, which is just a huge blessing. I'm so excited. And I'm here in Charlotte, North Carolina. I'm born and raised in Charlotte. I did go off to school to UCLA for college and spent about 10 years in Los Angeles working professionally in wellness and um, nutrition, as well as being a dancer, professional dancer and choreographer. And it's still part of my love language today. I still get to work with young women and teaching and choreographing here in Charlotte. Definitely my like self-care moment on Thursday nights. And my daughter and my husband have daddy-daughter date night. So that's a fun part of of my, my life and my passion. And then we do work with women and families and moms all over the world. We partner globally with so many people to educate on the power of whole food, plant-based nutrition. And so our platform is through Health Made Simple, which is actually founded by my parents a long time ago. They've been teaching this for over 30 years. And my husband and I recently launched Raised on Plants, which is our own 
personal brand that really empowers families to just help get more fruits and vegetables into their babies, into their, into their kids, practical solutions. I'm the, I'm the mom that actually likes to talk about what's actually going to work. <laughs> Let's not just hope, use the hope method. You know, I sure hope they eat lots of different colors of the rainbow today, but let's actually talk about what's going to work for your life and your family. And so we provide a lot of resources through that platform with masterclasses and guidebooks and of course, content and recipes and weekly emails, that sort of thing. It is so fascinating. I have lots of questions. First, what is your daughter's name? My daughter is Leah. Leah. Okay. And have you named your next baby girl? We have, but we have a role where we do not talk about the name until after baby's here. That has been <laughs> that has been my husband and I's thing. We're like, we're gonna at least save, save one little element of surprise till the end. I love it. I actually have tons of doula clients. They won't even tell me. Some of them will tell me, but won't tell anyone else, you know. But I yeah. do like that element of especially hearing the parent say the baby's name right at delivery too. And I'll always, it's funny because the shock of meeting your baby everyone doesn't say anything. And I'm like, say their name, say their name. Yes. It made even uh, with my daughter's birth. I mean, my dad was so convinced that he knew what we were going to name her that he literally made shirts, like printed shirts for the whole family with the name that he thought on them. And, and and of course it wasn't. It was <laughs> not Leah. Was, I was like, dad, what in the world? So, you know, parent, family can be a little crazy with that, but it, it was fun. It was, it, it kept some element of, you know, of surprise till the very end. And we're going to do that again for sure with this baby. Oh, I love it. Well, Jenna has an incredible birth story, you guys, coming up. We're going to talk about starting at a birth center, having to move to a hospital, going well into the 42nd week of gestation, which everyone who listens to this podcast knows I went to 43 weeks. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to get into it. And we're going to talk about midwifery care and what it looks like to have an unmedicated birth. So I'm really, really excited because it's hard to plan and it never goes according to plan. And so we're going we're gonna to break that down. But first, I want the parents listening to the podcast today that are stressing out about nutrition. Like we really stress about breast or chest feeding our babies? What if we do if we have to supplement with formula? What happens when do we introduce solids? And how do we get, as our babies become toddlers, nutrition? And it was something that just tore me apart because I knew I wasn't going to be able to be the mom that like made homemade baby food. And so, I, though I tried, I did try. But it was something that really stressed me out. Now, part of your journey with your companies is, is helping to empower parents through this. So could you just talk a little bit about like, how did this become your passion? Like, how did you get to UCLA and get into wellness and plant-based nutrition? Yeah, of course. I mean, I mean, it definitely comes back to my parents' influence. My dad's a physician and my mom is an exercise physiologist and has worked in prevention for her whole life. And so I grew up in a home where we knew that if you eat as many different colors of plants, fruits, vegetables, nuts, seeds, grains, and beans, you're just going to be better off on, on all fronts, right? It's, it's kind of a, a continuum. So it's not about being perfect every day. And that's something I love is you know, we work with a lot of families. And I think there's a lot of mom guilt that comes up with this topic where you feel like, oh, am I doing enough? Or 
there's just, I'm so exhausted and there's just no way that this is happening. Or you might be handed one child that's super picky and then another one that loves different colors of fruits and veggies. And so just kind of bringing it back down to earth and knowing that, okay, you know, I'm going to do the very best I can, but I'm going to try and eat as many plants as possible and feed as many to my, my family. That was really what I grew up with. And it wasn't until I left home <laughs> that I fully appreciated it before my mom learned all of this was the child with eczema and ear infections and sickness and the things that I think we consider normal today, sometimes, unfortunately, still in our, in our society. And once we introduce some simple changes, some simple kind of, I call them mom hacks to this day of just things that you can do to get more plants into your family, all of that changed and all of that cleared up and our family experienced the joy of having well days instead of sick days and being able to take more family vacations instead of being stuck at home for sickness. And when I left home and I realized that's not the reality for so many families, first of all, just meeting my own husband, he used to eat 15 corn dogs a week when he was <laughs> in high school and in college. And I was just like, oh my goodness, I have to help you. So it kind of started with him and, and started to just ripple from there. And when I became a mom, that was when, well, not just when I became a mom, when I became pregnant, I think we all have that moment, just like you said, Heidi, like, I am in charge of another life. I am, I am fueling my body to fuel another life. And that is a huge responsibility that weighs heavy on a lot of people's hearts. If you don't have the resources and the support and the encouragement and the people surrounding you to empower you with the things you need. So we strive every day to bring that to you as a new mama to be, or maybe a hopeful mom to be. I work with a lot of women who are struggling with infertility and trying to figure out the things they can do at home to improve their chances of getting pregnant, no matter what direction they're taking that. Once you are pregnant, I mean, my goodness, like whatever you're eating is flavoring the amniotic fluid in your body and your baby from very early on starts to taste that. So you're actually establishing their taste buds in the womb, you know, and, and how, what a, what an incredible opportunity that is to make some different choices, make some changes and set your child up for incredible uh, success. You know, of course, so many different scenarios, so many different stories. There's all these outliers. So we always say, you know, own your story. This is what, you know, this is what you were gifted and we're going to support you wherever you are in that for yourself and your baby. But I do think there's a lot of action steps you can take to increase your chances at having a great experience. And that goes from the start of pregnancy, actually before pregnancy, throughout you know your whole pregnancy, postpartum, supporting women on strategies to make sure you are fighting those baby blues and staying positive with whatever journey you're on with any, however you're feeding your baby, you know, how do you keep fueling yourself physically, mentally? There's all of these stages of it. And then then we get to the, oh, I actually have to feed my child food yeah. <laughs> um, part, right? <laughs> yeah. I, I remember being at that moment um, at our pediatrician's clinic and she was like, okay, now you can start giving her three meals a day. And my husband and I looked at each other like, what? <laughs> we just got used to this life. And now you're telling us we have to feed her a real food. And so and that, that moment, you know, even created a whole nother Another story ripple. Line. And I was going to say, but that moment is an easy moment if you have a really nutritious plant-based diet, then you just feed your children what you feed yourself. 
And I think that that's one of the intersections that people come to is that they become pregnant and they haven't been feeding their body properly. And then they try to make changes during pregnancy. And then the baby comes and then they go back to how they were eating. And now they're like, well, I don't want to feed my children the same way I feed myself, Mm -hmm. which is a whole, you know, that's a whole nother thing. Yeah, it definitely starts. It starts with us as as moms. And it it is hard to hear that, I think, sometimes, because the hardest thing is to step through that door of knowing I need to make changes and, and doing it. But everyone is better off, you know, when you focus on filling your own cup up first, because especially once that baby comes, um, I know we have a lot of first time moms on here, moms to be, you know, listening, your whole world changes and you get this superpower. I feel like that's just given to you that you are able to do much more than you think you're capable of. And you might not feel it at the time because all the emotions are happening and things, things are crazy, but I do think part of that is understanding that you're responsible for taking care of yourself so that you can take care of your baby. And it's like, put your own seatbelt on first. It's the same concept with your nutrition. If you're sick, you can't take care of your child. And if you're run down or if you're mentally just feeling anxious or stressed or depressed, I mean, that is a crazy situation to deal with within a family environment. So we want to stop that before it even starts. That's our goal with everyone. Or if you already are suffering from something or starting to feel any of that, you know, we're, we're with you to figure out the action steps that need to, to, to be taken. Yeah. So I love following Jenna because on Instagram, you can see her three-year-old Leah and her whole family with their morning routine. And Jenna, you really are leading by example. So if right now you're listening and you're like, uh, okay, well, I'm really excited for Jenna's birth story, but I'm also like jiving with what you guys are saying. I just would like to invite everyone to follow Jenna on Instagram. If you want to learn from another mom who's been leading by example since she was five years old. So again, it's generational. Her parents paved this path and now she is continuing on that journey and paving the path for her daughters also. And when you break it down, it's really simple. So Jenna and I have some things that we do in our daily routine that we have in common. In fact, when I was pregnant, people have heard on here, I never took a prenatal vitamin. I do not believe in vitamins. I only took a product, a supplement called Juice Plus, which I know is a big part of Jenna and I's lifestyles, is not only cutting up lots of fruits and vegetables daily for ourselves and our children, but also bridging the gap with all of the things that we don't tend to eat on a daily basis to make sure that our children are getting a colorful plate and then getting all of the extra phytonutrients from Juice Plus without taking a vitamin. So Jenna, where can everyone follow you? Yes. Oh my gosh. I love it. I know we have so much in common. We, 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 um, to be able to connect with another mom who just gets it is is so fun. And, um, yes, that has been an important part of our foundation. My main platform is Jenna Lee Rude. So at Jenna Lee Rude on Instagram, our raised on plants brand is also at raised on plants on Instagram. And then all of the things that we're sharing through our raised on plants platform, including links to juice plus to the tower gardens we use to, um, all of our resources, 
our weekly email, all of that is found on raisedonplants.com. So pretty simple. And if you guys want to connect with us there, you can um, sign up for our Friday email that goes out. And I'm always packing that full of mom content, some mom memes, because I love those. I live for a good laugh um, with those and some recipes, of course, whatever is happening with our live events that are open to the public for free or community challenges. And then our guidebooks and masterclasses that we share periodically on there too. I love it. So you guys, I brought Jenna on here today to tell her birth story, but to also share with you and inspire you to know that there are really easy ways and tools to create a beautiful, healthy lifestyle for your pregnancy and for your postpartum period, and then to help set your children up for success because that baby inside of you one day, we're trying to help them not have heart disease and diabetes and all of the things that deteriorate us over time. Like we want to live a long time with our kids and we want our kids to live a long, healthy life too. And it really starts with, like Jenna said, before you even get pregnant, that conception journey. Like I remember my husband coming to me and saying like eight months in advance, you know, we have to start with this nutrition. We have to clean X, Y, and Z out of our diets prior to conceiving so that then when I became pregnant, it just became the way that I nourished myself and my children into health. So before we move on, I just wanted to tell a quick story. This is not something like that's impossible. We had my set, no, no, I'm like, which child? Six-year-old's six-year-old visit yesterday at the pediatrician. And she was like, Jagger, are you eating all your fruits and vegetables? And he's like, yes. Yesterday I had broccoli and Brussels sprouts and edamame. And then I always try to have like a banana and an apple and grapes. And then I always take my juice plus. And I think that the pediatrician's mouth was like, and I was like winning. You know, my child did not walk into the pediatrician and say like, yes, my favorite meal is McDonald's, you know? So that was like, when here? All right, Jenna. So let's get into your birth story and let's kind of break down. Did you have a fertility journey or did you get pregnant pretty easily? So yes, we did the same thing that you just shared. Like we knew we were getting to that point where we wanted to start to try to have a family. And I think there's always that fear that comes up when you start anything new, like this is actually going to work. Am I going to be able to do this? And so I'm a planner. I am, I am the person that like wants to know what's happening. And so of course I had this whole grandmaster plan with everything of like, I want to get pregnant in September so that I can have baby in. May, June. And so I can still do choreography season. It was like this whole thing. And my husband's like, you're a crazy person. But we, so we did a baby moon actually before we were going to try to get pregnant. Cause I was like, I'm not going to Italy and not being able to drink wine while I'm there. So we did like a full baby moon. We moved across country, like got all this stuff, you know, situated. I had a very similar conversation with my husband said, this is so important. It's actually really important for the male to actually really clean up all those toxins, all the food, all the things that you could do to, to prepare your body within that month, if not like the month before and that month for the female, it it happens before that, you know, way before that, like prepping your body for years, months, as long as you can. But for the male, it's so important. So I had him like full on hundred percent plant-based, no caffeine, no, you know, he wanted to just kill me. 
he was really hoping that we, you know, would get pregnant quickly and grateful, very blessed that we did that very first try that very first month. And we never looked back. We were so, so excited and grateful. And of course that started our whole pregnancy journey. Oh my gosh. Yep. I remember having that exact same conversation, but it actually went in reverse. So the conversation started with my husband to me because my husband was raised on plants and had been part of the Juice Plus community and really was having to bring me on and open my eyes to a lot of things. So, so thankful for that. I wanted to also just make sure that if anyone is doing fertility with a donor egg or donor sperm, these are important questions to ask. It is totally fair to ask for the nutrition profile of the donors that you're seeking too. So not just in a heterosexual couple, but if for some reason you have a fertility journey and you have to adopt an embryo or adopt an egg or get donated sperm, like these are fair questions to ask when you're interviewing or looking through the banks and for your donors, also for your gestational surrogates. Like this is really, really important. If you have a gestational surrogate, I would write that right into the contract about about nutrition too. It's that important. So you have this kind of natural lifestyle. And I'm like really curious, like, did you, did an unmedicated natural childbirth go along with that? Or were you like, sign me up, I want an epidural? Like, what were your (laughs) thoughts on um, childbearing? I mean, I think just probably like most of you on here who are just kind of digging into this, I had a lot of fear around it before I started learning. And I've always said just, you know, same thing with our nutrition platform, education is the key to everything. And if you understand how your body works, it takes the fear out of, out of the equation. You realize that your genetics are not your destiny. You're able to actually, you know, switch on the good genes, switch off the bad genes, change your lifestyle habits, change your, your generational legacy wellness for your family. And I think birth, you know, kind of fell in that same line with me. I realized, you know, at first I didn't know enough about it. And Hollywood shows you just about the the most false <laughs> depiction of what, what birth is. And so that was, that's what I thought, Oh gosh, it looks painful. It looks like, you know, these women are at, you know, in agony and all this stuff. And, um, it was actually my cousins, um, my beautiful cousins who are like my sisters in my life. Um, two of them have already had already had babies um, when I got pregnant and they both were huge advocates for natural birth. And, um, I had been on that journey with them, but pre-education about it. Like I just knew their experience. And so, so I knew I wanted to learn about it. And the more I dug in, the more I started reading, the more um, positive birth stories I listened to, which is why I just love this podcast. I realized, okay, I can do this. You know, this is normal. This is something women do all over the world. And it was such an incredible feeling to, to have that shift from fear to this feeling of empowerment. I, I am capable. I am able, my body is, is going to be able to do this. And I, I mean, I'm an athlete. I've you know been a dancer my whole life. I thrive off of like physical challenges. So I know not everyone's like that, but for me, I got excited about the physical challenge of labor and delivery. And I was like, I'm going to train for this, you know, physically and mentally. And it, it got me pumped up. So, you know, I would say like halfway through my first pregnancy, when I was in the gym or when I was 
feeding my body or when I was resting or when I was listening and learning and filling myself up with mental support and positivity, I thought of that as a training regimen to get ready for the upcoming birth. Yeah, that's brilliant. I mean, that's exactly how everyone needs to look at it. If you are seeking an unmedicated birth or not, I mean, it's really important that your mindset, like even if you want to have an epidural, girls, you got to labor a little bit before you can get to that epidural. And if you're birthing in the middle of a pandemic, well, add three hours to when you want that epidural because you're going to be sitting in triage waiting to get checked in because we have a nursing shortage across the country. So it's really important to really train and really prepare. And there are a lot of tools. I want to hear, Jenna, specifically, you just said the gym and you talk to your cousin. So we have, a, we have mentors and we have physical activity. What are the other tools that you deployed to get ready, get your body ready for your birthing time? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, from a physical perspective, a lot of it was, you know, the recommendations that I was learning about. Um, now with actually this pregnancy, I'm learning so much more about pelvic floor health and solving diastasis recti and some of these issues that I did not know about my first pregnancy. So it's a little different this time. I'm doing, um, I'm using the Every Mother app and working through, you know, exercises every day with that of pelvic floor support and strength. And I do have some, some abdomen separation from honestly being a dancer my whole life. And then it got worse when I was pregnant. And so I know so much more about that. So I've been doing, you know, that more. I did some of that my first pregnancy. I did a lot of work with breathing, teaching my body to breathe into sensations of, you know, we say pain, but it's really just a signal that your body's sending you. And um, I loved learning about that. I don't know if you guys know, I mean, you probably do Rhonda Rousey fighter who, uh, she has a book called my fight, your fight. And I, I read that book on my journey to build my career to what I wanted it to be at the time. That was kind of an entrepreneur, you know, journey for me, but then I reread it before I went into labor with my baby. And she talks about the same thing. I mean, she's a professional fighter and she talks about just pain is just another signal that she's receiving, just like, you know, anything, happiness or joy or um, sadness, or, you know, it's just a signal that her body is telling her. And, and that was consistent with what Ina Mae was talking about and the Bradley method and the mindful birthing. It's like, everyone's talking about this same concept in different ways. And so I thought to myself, there's gotta be a way to actually like train for this. Cause it's the hardest part, right? There's like the ice thing, you know, talk about that, but I don't know if you guys have ever done the foam roller, <laughs> um, but it is, especially if you have knots in your body, like I do, it is so, it's so painful that you start laughing. Cause you're just like, this hurts so bad. And I love it because you actually, if you really let your body like lay onto that foam roller, you can't control it. Like you're, you're letting that pressure build on itself. And so I, every day when I would go to the gym or I have one at home too, I would foam roll out my legs and just breathe into that sensation of the foam roller pressing against these crazy knots in my legs. Yeah. And I would practice okay, how can I calm myself down instead of wanting to like lift out of that? I thought, how could I actually let my body relax into it more? 
And I really feel like that one thing, if anything else, you know, when I actually got into the moment where I was experiencing contraction, expansions, you know, whatever you're calling them, it made all the difference. Cause I was like, okay, I've, I've, I know what to do. I'm going to breathe into this. I'm going to try and accept it versus fighting it. Yeah. So this is, I'm so glad that you brought up the foam roller thing because there's a lot of my followers that are Peloton moms. Okay. And I know Robin Arzon coach just launched this whole like pregnancy and postpartum. Like there's so many amazing rides, but there is a foam roller ride that I have been avoiding (laughs) for a (laughs) long time. And so it's really funny this morning I woke up and I'm thinking, what ride am I going to do today? Right? Like I was thinking maybe greatest showman or maybe like a hip hop ride. And I'm like, think Jenna's speaking into me. Like I've been afraid of this like foam roller workout for so long. And today just might be the day. So if anyone is, has a Peloton, well, first of all, if you don't have a Peloton and you could get one, I would consider getting one. But if you have one, make sure that you follow me at my doula Heidi on Peloton and check out some of those rides. And if you do the foam roller exercise or activity, tag me and Jenna, tag us. We want to know about it. I was like, this is going to be so fun. Okay. So it sounds like you were really ready. Now I'm a doula. So of course, like I'm typically working with moms like you. Did you have a doula or were you like, I've got this? I did. I did have a doula. I think as a first time mom, you're like, I need all the things, right? Like your registry is like 400 items and you, you know, you just say yes to everything. I give, I'm giving you all my money, like just whatever I need. Get it. That was definitely me first time around. And so I did have a doula and she was wonderful to help with like connecting me to education and things. I did find in the moment at birth that I really only wanted my husband and I didn't want anything to do with her or my mom was in the room. My cousin Cameron was there too. They were wonderful support systems and it was wonderful to have their presence and giving me coconut water and juice plus complete shakes in between contractions and things. But it was, it was definitely that husband coach kind of connection that I craved. I know everyone's different. I'm like, one of my cousins is like, she just doesn't want anyone to talk to her, you know, when she's in labor, I was like, I don't want you to leave my side. Like it's like gripping onto his shirt. Like don't, don't go anywhere, you know? Um, do you do Bradley yeah. method? So we, we read the book. We didn't do any of the courses, but I had him read husband coach childbirth. Okay. And I think that really helped him to understand that this is normal and that anything I'm going to do is not going to be something he needs to fix or solve, but just to support me and what I need. I think that was a big moment for him because he, he knew nothing about this either. He, he just knew the Hollywood version, just like most men do, I think at first. Yeah. It's so like my clients hire me so early on. Like, I mean, like pee on a stick and hire me. And I'm so glad because I have this whole journey that I do with the partners, like this whole education and journey that I go on with the partners. And then this whole journey and education that I go on with mom. And then this whole journey and education, like together. And so that when you get to that moment, it's like your innate wisdom is going to take over. But like in your subconscious, you have all of that education and all of those tools and all of that practice so that when you need to shine, you surrender and shine, you know, and we're going to talk about that surrendering in a minute. So tell me about your pregnancy. So it was 
healthy? Did you have gestational diabetes? Did you have GBS, you know, positive? Like, did you have any of the things that are flaggy, you know, in a pregnancy? No, yeah, no flags. I was very grateful for all of that. And again, this time around, it's been the same. So round two is also going very beautifully. But, you know, I I was totally that annoying mom that was like, I love being pregnant. I feel great. Like my first baby. Um, and I knew I fully embraced it. I was like, you know, the mom eating like a carton of blueberries and craving salad instead of, you know, I think one day I did eat like a giant bowl of plant-based mashed potatoes. That was a moment where my husband just kind of backed out of the kitchen. Like I'm going to, I'm going to just go (laughs) away now, but this actually this pregnancy. So pregnancy number two has definitely been harder on my body. I was a little bit nauseous, which I didn't have any of that with my first. And I would never, you know, threw up or anything, but it was just kind of that icky feeling first trimester. And I've, I think I've been feeling like I'm in my third trimester for weeks (laughs) before it actually hit the second time around. And a lot of the women I talk to, it's, it's kind of a, you know, I think your, your body's done this before. So baby's lower, your beer's expanded already. You know, there's just more pressure, definitely feeling that this go around. And I hate to say it, but you typically have a gestational like age, you know, and, um, you went to 42 weeks. So Every now and then, all that pressure means like maybe the baby could come a little sooner. But as a doula, I'm like, Jenna, like I need you to put your 42 week hat on. Yes, yes. I'm prepared mentally prepared to go the extra mile. You know, two miles, extra two miles. That's the hardest part. The average gestation is 41 weeks in one day. So 50 percent of moms birth into their 42nd week, and we just don't talk about that enough. You know. And so everyone hits 40 weeks and then their phone is ringing and they're like, you know, all the things. And it's very stressful, you know? That was the worst part. Absolutely. I mean, I got to, so I, again, planner, planner mom coming in. I was like, everything needs to be ready at 38 weeks. Like we need to be ready. And I'm I'm talking every to-do list. I, you know, I was, I was on it. And so 38 weeks, we're chilling, you know, ready, waiting any moment it could be. And I laugh looking back literally over a month later, a month of that. And in that time, like you just said, lots of questions, lots of pressure actually had family members fly here, California and leave again because the baby wasn't here yet. And just literally sitting there watching me like, and waiting, you know, and stuff like that. And everyone, everyone's telling you, you know, like, try this, do this, go eat that pizza do this thing. And I, I did, you know, try some of the things that I honestly regret now because I was putting so much focus on uh, thinking that my body, you know, was supposed to be doing something, which now I know better and know that my body was working and was going to be ready when it was ready. I, at the time of going in at 42, 42 and one was already 90% of face and five centimeters just without contractions happening yet. So I do know like throughout that first kind of waiting period, my body was doing was a lot doing of it. Work. Yeah. 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 It was doing it naturally. It just was a lot of outside pressure. So I'm like a huge encourager to moms now to like be in your own zone, be in your own space. Like your timeline is going to be your timeline. And 
that is the most important thing is to keep yourself mentally focused on you and what your baby needs and what you need and what you can do. Go on date nights, go to the pool. If you're in the summer and float around like me all day, like I did for a whole month, <laughs> all the Make things. plans, make lots of plans. So I have my clients at the 40 week mark, if they're still pregnant, I have them like map out, like I have this little like cal. I'm doing this because I have this calendar that's like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. It's little sheets of paper. And I'm like, every day you have to put plans on there. And that plan, like we're in the middle of a pandemic. So it could be like, we're going to do this puzzle and we're going to get this amazing takeout from XYZ restaurant, you know? Then the next night, we're going to go for a, a walk on this greenway and we're going to go check out this hike that we haven't done. But I'm like, make plans every single day for up to 42 weeks gestation minimum. And then be so surprised when you have to break them. You'll be like, oh man, I didn't get to have coffee on the porch outside because it's been my, <laughs> with my friend tonight because I went into labor instead. But like, That's if you great. didn't go into labor, you weren't waiting for it to happen. You were having, you know, a hot tea with your girlfriend on a patio and it was amazing evening. And then you slept well, you know, this is my hope for everyone. So let's talk about change of plans. You had mentioned to me that you were scheduled to birth at the local birth center. So I want to hear about that decision, how you came to that decision, and then how you came out of that decision. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I know. That's a good way to put it. So midwives, I knew. I mean, after reading and educating myself and learning more, I knew that was the best fit for me, just with midwifery training and And everything that, you know, goes along, I think with that being, you know, more naturally minded, but also empowering the female body and that positive, you know, just conversation around birth and taking away that fear of birth. I I loved all of that. And I, I knew that that's who I wanted to take care of me during my pregnancy. So I did um, go with the local birth center and I uh, was so happy with my experience throughout my entire pregnancy with my, my daughter, my first daughter with all of that. I mean, it was, it was so fun to go into appointments. I never felt pressured. I never felt like I was being judged by certain decisions that I was making for my family. I never felt just the things that I was hearing from maybe other friends of mine who were also more naturally minded we're partnering maybe with a practice that wasn't as open to that conversation. It wasn't the same tension. And so that was a really, really important part of my journey. And I encourage all of the moms that I connect with and help today to put together your A plus baby team, you know, your doula, your midwife, your, your OB, whatever, whoever you're partnering with, like you get to pick who they are. I think you, I think we could forget that, you know, it's, it's your choice. It's your team. It's your A plus team. And I mean, of course, you know, if something's not working or they're making you feel guilty for certain things, or maybe putting pressure on you that you don't want, you can change. You can choose somebody different. So I I was very happy with my decision at the birth center. And then what happened was I, they have a, they have a very strict rule there where you cannot birth at the birth center past 42 weeks. And so I knew that was where that pressure came in that if baby wasn't out by 42 weeks, then I was going to have to be transferred to the OB practice and birth in the hospital, which I did not want, of course, but that ended up being my story. And the team was fantastic with the OB practice that I was transferred to. I mean, they really listened to me and helped me to develop a plan very last minute as in like 
that morning and I was going in that night. (laughs) It was a crazy day of like having to accept, okay, everything I've been thinking this was going to be is not going to happen anymore. And so the, those of you on here who are planners, like I am, like that was a big part of my birth story is letting go the process of like letting go of the original plan you thought, but then still figuring out how to salvage the things that were really, really important to you in the new environment, in the new situation. So you got to walk us through it though. So you're, let's take you back to 41 and five. Mm -hmm. So do you have an appointment at the birth center or are they like, Hey Jenna, if you hit 42 weeks, you need to come here or you need to meet us at the hospital. Like what did that conversation look like when you achieved 41 and a half weeks gestation? Unfortunately, it felt like I was doing something wrong or that something was not happening that was supposed to. And that's when they started, you know, monitoring all the things and trying to do, you know, the membrane sweep and some of these things that I didn't know anything about, but you know, was now learning about them because it was part of my journey. And so every time though, they would monitor my fluid levels or check on baby, like everything was perfect. And the doctors even were saying, you know, midwives and doctors, like, you're looking great. Like, it looks like you could carry another week or so and have no you know, problems. And I knew deep down my body was working for me. So that, that week looked like a lot of appointments, a lot of conversation, again, a lot of people telling me they're what worked for them, which of course you always appreciate the support, but sometimes you're like, (laughs) I'm I'm good. I'm going to just see what's going on in my own life and, and make my decisions. But it was that last day, the actual like 42 and one day that they had scheduled a quote unquote induction that I then had to go see the OB that was going to be working with me that evening. And through our conversation, her seeing that my fluid levels were great, that everything was still great, but we just had this thing that was scheduled that night. Did they give you an option to cancel it? Like, did they give you an option? Like, Hey, Jenna, everything looks great. And I know we're scheduled tonight, but like, maybe your body just needs 48 more hours. Like, did they offer you an alternative to an induction that night? No, they did not. And now knowing what I know, like, I wish I just wouldn't have showed up (laughs) between you and me. I mean, (laughs) let's not go backwards though. Let's not go backwards because I know you had a beautiful birth, but I I want this to be a learning opportunity for those that are listening. Okay. Because everyone knows my story went to 43 weeks and zero days. Okay. And we're outliers, Jenna, right? Okay. So if average is 41 and one, Some people are going to birth at 37 weeks. I mean, anything before 37 weeks is considered preterm. There's usually a reason like a hypertension or a placental thing, you know, but after 37, 38 weeks, I mean, that's full term. So anyone can birth at any time. The average is 41 weeks and one day. We are just so terrible with patients. My mom and my sister had both gone into the 42nd week. Like I knew what was coming. Like I knew our generational history. It was still hard, you know, but I did not show up for my scheduled inductions. I compromised and I did non-stress tests and ultrasounds, which were all perfect. And I had a cervical check, which I probably regret at this point, which indicated that I was one centimeter dilated at 42 and two days or something like that. But I did have my membrane swept. Like I tried a couple of things, you know, 
but I did push back on the system. And I'm not saying that that's always the healthiest or safest thing, right? If you or your baby, because I'm not a doctor or a medical provider in any way, but like if you and your baby are safe, like our measure of when you're due could be off by six days. Sperm lives for a long time if you're cisgender heterosexual couple. Now, if you've had IVF or IUI, you probably have a little bit more of a clear picture of like your due date, right? But like the way, Jenna, that you conceived seemingly was you had sex. Well, maybe you ovulated five days later and that sperm was still waiting around. You know, we don't know exactly. So I just encourage my listeners to push back. This has been my experience. And I know the practice that you were with, Jenna, and I love them. I feel like if you had pushed back a little bit, they would have given you their honest, they would have said, you know what? Yeah, I think another 24 hours is fair. I think another 48 hours is fair. Or they would have said like, we saw one little thing that just has us thinking like we should get going today. That baby may be healthier on the outside than on the inside. Well, interesting thing is, you know, I'm with, that practice again. And I am having a completely incredible experience this time because there's a full midwife team there. And so we're so grateful. I'm so grateful that I'm, I'm working through this same kind of conversation now, but in a different light. And I think the practice has changed a lot. And that's the beautiful part about what's happening in our world is that people are getting more educated about all of this, you know, from OBs to midwives to doulas to just people in general. And so the conversation this time has been like, basically, we don't do that anymore. We're not going to put pressure on you to do what we did before. We're sorry. (laughs) We're not going to do that again. Don't worry. You know, we're going to, of course, monitor you and baby make sure everybody's safe, but it's ultimately up to you with what you want to do with that. So in retrospect, of course, never got anything from birth was great. And I'm so grateful with the way it happened. And, but I'm very excited this time to not have to have that same pressure and that feeling. And that goes back to having the right team because probably 50% of my doula clients, I have them switch practices because I hear things that you were just advocating about, Jenna, like they're feeling like they're being tolerated or they're just being herded through, but like, they don't feel like they have a relationship they don't feel like they're connected. They don't feel like it's personalized care. Switch, everybody, pick up the phone, do some interviews and ask who and switch. There is a reason that some midwifery and OB practices are crickets and barely have any clients and that the others are bursting from the seams and it's patient care. And that that gets spread around real quick. I'm not surprised. And empowering you. I mean, as I am so excited to share the news with moms that you can say no, (laughs) like you can question everything. You can ask 5,000 questions. You can dig deeper. You, this is your body. This is your baby. I mean, this is your life. This is your future. And that is not shared with women at the beginning of their journey. And it's something hopefully you would learn through having a great doula, having some great education, surrounding yourself by other women who are supporting you in this conversation. But it was the most empowering thing when I learned that, oh, I don't have to just go with the system and the flow. I can actually 
ask questions and figure out what's going to be best for my family and the decisions that I want to make. Of course, within reason and being smart about it and learning all the different pros and cons and dangers and risks and assessing all of that. But you get to make those decisions. And I think a lot of the times that option is not even provided. It's just assumed that you're just going to say, oh, okay, yes, I'll do that because you asked me. But just ask why. Why are we doing this? Is there another option? Is there a different timeline? Is there a different journey for me that I could kind of... A different path that I could take? And that that will help you to figure out what you really want. Some moms don't even know what they really want. You know, I didn't when I first started. So you kind of have to build on that too, of, of figuring out what you want, figuring out what's best for your family. And then working with that A-plus baby team to make it happen. Yeah. And walk into every appointment and walk into that hospital with the knowing no one can do anything to my body without my permission. Mm -hmm. Period. Like that is a really empowering statement. And so if we just say that over and over again, you can go very far. Hey, it's Heidi. I'm interrupting the podcast to let you know about a free resource that I've created for you at birthstory.com. All you have to do is go to birthstory.com and then click the tab that says the workbook. Once you put your email address in, an entire resource library of all of my secret sauces are available to you for free as my thank you for listening to the Birth Story podcast and being part of this community. At birthstory.com, under the workbook, you will find a birth plan template, articles on circumcision, delayed cord clamping, flipping a breech baby, packing your hospital bag, acupressure points, placenta encapsulation, and so much more. There are over 20 free articles ready for you to download at birthstory.com. Now let's get back to this amazing episode. Did you cry? When you found out, like, did you get emotional? Like, or were you like, just like game on, like, let's just get to the hospital and like, let's just get this done. Like, so you exit the birth center. Yeah. I'm like, I'm a, I'm a problem solver. I'm really good in disaster situations always have been like, I just get this, like, all right, let's, let's get it done. And then I cry like later, you know, three days later about it. So I was in full on problem solving, like mama mode already. Like I'm going to make this happen, figure it out. And my plan, the problem solving plan was I worked with OB that morning and told her my concerns. Didn't know I had the option to maybe push that induction moment a couple of days later. But with what was presented to me, she said, well, we could, when you get to the hospital, break your water for you and then wait and see if you can get contractions started on your own versus immediately starting Pitocin. And I was like, yes, that is, that sounds like a much better Jenna plan. And (laughs) Um, this is because you did a vaginal exam and they do something called a Bishop score. So you were five centimeters dilated. That's a lot of numbers on the Bishop score. You were 90% of face. That's a lot of numbers up on the Bishop score. I'm adventuring your baby was probably like a zero station, like really, really low, putting all that pressure on the cervix to have it open. I think it was negative one, actually. Negative one. Okay, still so low. Such a low head, putting lots of pressure on your cervix, which is why it was paper thin and open to five. I mean, active labor is six centimeters dilated. So like, I see where they had that plan. You wouldn't have been a candidate for Cervidil side attack or a Cook's catheter balloon, because all of those things are to get you to have a really ripe cervix 
and high bishop score, but you had a high bishop score and a ripe cervix. So your body was like, you were probably just on the brink of going into labor. So what did you decide to do? I mean, of course I trusted the OB that was working with me and I said, okay, let's go with that plan. And I, the unfortunate part was she wasn't going to be my doctor that night. So I wasn't even needing a person still like, it was crazy. You know, I, I, I said, well, write that in my chart, please. So that I don't have to re-explain myself when I get there. And she did. And so that was taken care of. And when we got there that night, I mean, it was definitely not what I pictured. Like you, you always picture like, you know, get in the car and go and like, you know, like you're, you're working through contractions on your way. And it's like this big, exciting adrenaline rush to like get to the hospital or get to the birth center. It wasn't, I like spent all day, you know, the rest of the day napping and showering and doing my nails and like getting ready. And I swear though, I walked into that hospital, like Ronda Rousey ready for a fight. Like I was like, I mean, I was like game face on, I was like, my pump up music going. I had like an image on my phone of like powerhouse women that just inspire me. I had re-listened to some positive birth stories on my, you know, on my afternoon journey of getting ready for everything. And so I was ready. I mean, my, Jake was terrified of me. Basically, he was like, <laughs> he was like, oh my god, who are you? Um, but when I when I got there, going through the questions that are asked to you again is something that I now like to warn moms about. Cause I think you, you go in with this first plan and this story and this thing you want to do. And then you get a bunch of people, depending on where you are telling you, or asking you questions, and then trying to reconvince you sometimes, unfortunately of the things that you've already decided. So I was, I was not ready for that. And I got a little frustrated, I think, cause I was in the right mind. I wasn't working through contractions. I was fully <laughs> present of having to re-explain myself for all of these decisions I had made. And like then when the team switch changed, the shifts. team switched. Yeah. Was so I had, there? she wasn't there when we first got there, but yeah, she, she came shortly after. And so just the check-in process at the hospital was a little stressful, I would say. Um, but once, once, you know, I got in the room and I knew that they were going to actually like do what I had asked them to do, which was naturally break my water. I felt more comfortable and they did that part did not hurt at all. Jake looked like he was going to pass out. He was like, it was basically like a fire poker that they brought out. This like giant tool. And, oh my gosh. And- everyone is not a giant fire poker. It's like <laughs> a little plastic, like speculative. Literally. Like, it's so small. He was just, I think in this like overwhelmed move uh, dad to be mode. Um, it's and- called an amnio hook. The, like, <laughs> so it is like, it's a little, pla- it's a tiny thin plastic thing with like a little hook on it. Yeah. So and funny. it literally did not, like it didn't hurt at all. It was just so, it was so quick and fast and it just broke my water. But then they were like, okay, now let's see what happens. So me being the, you know, the proactive person I am was like, well, this is stupid. I'm not going to just sit here and wait. So I, I'm full out in the hallway doing like full ballet class, like CrossFit workout, basically squats, like everything, like using, you know, in in the diaper that they put on you is so glamorous. Right. I mean, (laughs) I I was like, people probably think I am a crazy person right now. And I I don't care. I don't care. I'm, I'm doing what I need to do. Right. That's the blinders on focused. (laughs) And, and at that point I had such an interesting relationship with the, the sensations of contractions that Every time it started to kick in more, I'd be like, oh, that was a good one. That was strong. That, that one hurt more. You know, that was good. 
And again, terrifying my husband because he's just like, you've lost your mind. But I was so excited to feel this contraction start that that relationship of not being fearful of them, but actually welcoming them on all of that training that I had done really kicked in there, I think, especially given my situation. So within 30 minutes, I had con- regular contractions going. Wow. Um, they broke my, broke my water at 6.30. At 9.30, I was in full-blown labor and she was born at 3.30. So AM. Mm-hmm. Gosh, that was really fast, Jenna. Yeah. But you are already five centimeters dilated. Correct. So Correct. <laughs> here's the thing. Your body was doing a lot of work. So you were probably having tons of Braxton Hicks, but you just probably weren't feeling them as much. But your body did a lot of work to get you to five centimeters and 90% effaced yeah. in a negative one station. Like, oh my gosh, aren't our bodies so amazing? Amazing. Like, your body amazing. was having a long, slow labor that probably was lasting for seven to 10 days, you know, just Uh really. And then the active just right at the end. So you're in the hallway this time. Can you bring some depends? So like, (laughs) you know, you just pull up the underwear to catch it rather than like the mesh panties. I tell everybody like, please just get yourself some depends. It's so much easier. But like, you know, you're squatting and you're doing ballet and you're in the hallway. At what point were you like two to three minutes apart, 60 to 90 seconds where you were like, I got to be in the room in the bathtub, like alone, like whatever it was. Like, when did that happen where you went like inside Jenna? Yes. Uh, I remember it very deliberately. My dad was actually in the room still kind of hanging out with us. Cause as after I got some stuff happening, we went back into the room and they were monitoring me. They actually couldn't pick up the contractions that I was feeling even up until the point where I was in transition throughout my whole birth. And so they thought I was not as far along as I was a little different part of the birth story. Um, but at the time, you know, you know what you're feeling mamas, you know, you know, what's going on in your body. And, and I remember being able to just breathe through it. And then there was a moment where I was like, okay, this is real. And I think my dad saw my eyes changed and he was like, okay, I'm going to go to the lobby. (laughs) And he got out of there. And and I remember when he did that, I was, it was almost that realization for me. Okay. It's my, my turn. You know, it's my turn. This is no longer a little family party. You know, this is, this is time for me to focus and get the job done and be there. And it happened quick. I mean, I remember feeling like I was working through contractions for a while. I was, I'm like a mover. So I was just swaying like side to side. Like I felt like I just had to keep moving my hips and never got in the tub. They wouldn't let me at the time because they'd already broken my water. I roll. Okay. But yeah, yeah. another, another <laughs> thing. Um, I think I, I'm going to, I would love to try that this time. If you I can get time. in the tub with your water broken, especially with the practice that you are with right now, but a piece of advocacy for everyone listening. You don't need anyone's permission to get in a bathtub. Here's the thing. Your vagina is not a vacuum. It doesn't suck bathtub water up into your vagina and then through up to the baby. Like that's just not the way our bodies work, okay? So you can absolutely like, like if at the birth center, a water birth was safe, but like 10 minutes later, soaking in a bathtub is suddenly unsafe. Like, no, that's not data that exists. So advocate everyone to use hydrotherapy, aqua therapy, get in the bathtub. If your body is calling you to water, not everyone's body does, but if your body calls you to water, go to the water. Okay. Mm -hmm. If your body's calling you to movement like Jenna's, sway and move. 
Yeah. Swaying and moving for sure. I, I, I was kind of on my knees, like with my arms over the hospital bed. So I was like, facing the other way and just like supporting my weight. My husband, his back was so sore the next day. Cause I was just like leaning on him so much. But again, that like, that's what I wanted. I wanted that like close comfort connection with him in, in the, in the moment. And then, you know, my cousin, Cameron, who is a birth photographer, she was there and she's a sister to me. And she, she has seen so many natural births. And unfortunately the team that was helping me at the moment was not convinced that I was progressing as fast as I think I thought. And I remember internally in my mind, continuously having to tell myself, get it together, Jenna, like you're only a six or a seven and it's going to get harder and you need to keep it together. Like I remember, but I remember feeling like this is very intense. Like, I don't know how it's going to get more intense. And I looked into Cameron's eyes and that moment and she looked at me and she said, Jen, you're, you're doing it. Like you're in transition. I know you are. Yeah. And, um, and I, I get emotional talking about it because yeah. there's so much value in having someone there who really, really knows you and also knows like what to look for in a laboring woman with, with more than just what's picking up on the monitor. And so her encouragement, you know, was great. And I, and I did, I did not want them to check me because I didn't want to know <laughs> if I was a seven still, I wanted to, I was like, we're, we're going through. So I was very adamant about that. I said, I don't want you to check me. And I'm glad that they didn't, but sure enough, we got to the point where, you know, they came in to monitor again, the contractions made me lay on my side, which I wanted to kill everyone in the room pretty much at that point. Cause I did not want to do that. And that was the moment I felt her engage into my pelvis and actually drop in that intense, incredible feeling of your body just pushing without you having any control over it. I mean, it was being a dancer and really in touch with my body. It was like such an incredible feeling to be like, well, wow, there is nothing stopping this. Like I'm not, I'm not able to control it. But the interesting part was we didn't have anybody in the room because they all thought I was still a six or a seven. And with a couple bold, you know, deep voice, you know, moments from my husband into the microphone to the nurses, like, get in here. <laughs> they got in there and hysterically, the nurse said, Oh, we're not ready yet. So don't push. And I'm dying laughing, <laughs> not laughing at the time, but not, you know, after the fact looking at it, I'm just like, how hysterical is that? Right. Like you've clearly never had a baby unmedicated before. It's not possible Um, to not, it's a reflex people. They were like, just pretend like you're blowing out a candle so that you won't push. And, and it was 30 minutes, you guys, of me laying there trying not to push, which in retrospect, now I'm thinking, you know, my body actually was able to kind of maybe take its time more or I probably would have torn more than I did and probably had, you know, just, I had just minimal tearing for a first time mom. Um, yeah. It probably kind of was a good thing to kind of slow my, myself down. Cause I was at that point, like, let's go, let's get this baby out. Yeah. So I don't know. You never know what the story is, but I laid there trying to blow out birthday candles for 
20 minutes. My mom, my cousin, you know, everyone, they were just mad at that point. They're like, can someone just catch her baby? <laughs> um, just advocating for me, you know, and um, next time you just say, I got it. Like <laughs> I've watched enough birth videos. Like I'll just go ahead and catch this next one. <laughs> yeah, no one's in here. Yeah. I'm saying that honestly, Jenna, like in a very real way, because your second baby comes much faster than your first baby. And like, I want to empower you right now in this moment. If you are at that hospital and no one is in that room, like you hit that emergency button, but like you, you obey your body. And if you have to reach down and grab your baby, then you reach down and grab your baby. Okay. I love, I love you for that. Like, like don't, your body is the one in charge. Okay. And everyone else follows around you in that moment. But yes. Can breathing through that fetal ejection reflex, because if it's truly the fetal ejection reflex, you'll push anyway. Right. So if you can breathe through it, it's not actually the fetal ejection reflex. The fetal mm -hmm. ejection reflex, you can't breathe through it. It's like vomiting. It's coming anyway. You're pushing with like, you're trying to breathe through the, this is you. If you were breathing through the birthday candle, <laughs> like you'd be like, yeah. trying like you're trying, but like that when the fetal ejection reflex kicks in, you can try all you want, but like your body's going to push your baby out anyway. So if you are able to breathe, then you're actually the FER is not engaged or triggered yet. So it is a good thing to just breathe as long as you can mm -hmm. breathe until you can't breathe anymore until your body is pushing on its own without your permission. So for this next baby girl, that's something I want to put in there is, oh yeah, Heidi said, breathe as long as I can, just like I did with Leah. And then when there, when I can't breathe anymore, that's how we slow it down and reduce our tearing. And then just let your body give that final, mm, that's how we push for five minutes too, instead of like an hour and a half, just a little, a little piece in there. But yeah, it's a little bit frustrating that, you know, it takes a little bit of time. I wanted to back up and say like, this is the value of your cousin Cameron or a doula or a really experienced nurse because I labor at home with my clients, you know, often until they're near ready to push. We went to the hospital the other day and delivered 18 minutes after we walked in the door. And that's not abnormal because I don't do cervical exams, but I know what transition looks like. I know what your eye glaze over looks like. I know what your macalista rhombus bulge in your pelvis. I know when your anus starts to dilate. I know when that line between your sacrum and your anus starts to emerge. Like there are ways to look at a woman's body and to hear her noises and to like feel her, like put your hands on her and feel her. And know she's in transition. And so someone experienced like your cousin to lock in with you, like lock eyes and lock in and be like, Jenna, this is it. Like you did it. You did it. Right you now. And that, that meant the world. I mean, that was, that was what that I needed to it. hear at that moment was somebody to validate yeah. that my body was doing it. And it was the, I think that's why to this day, I still get emotional about it because yeah. all the way up until that point, it was your body's not doing it. Your body's not doing it. But, yeah. You know, that whole story that was told to me two weeks up to that moment. And then all of a sudden it was like, okay, you're, you're doing this. Like yeah. this is happening. And I do think the pushing part, you know, I, I remember feeling 
like that's what I was laughing about the birthday candle things. Like I can't blow up a candle. Like, <laughs> like I was still like, I was having those ejection, you know, reflex and the, and the nurses were literally saying, you know, stop, stop, like, wait, we're not ready. You know, the whole thing. And so when I finally, when they're like, okay, we're ready, you know, to push the first time I pushed, I, I was breathing out with it. So it wasn't productive. So I was trying to do it without doing it with my body first for the first time. I don't know. There's all kinds of stuff going on, but then, you know, I was able to take some direction because I could feel everything that was happening. And, and then one more push. And then the second push, she was completely out. Like Jake's word, Jake's words where she shot out like a, I forget what he said, like a rocket ship or something. I don't know. A bobcat. I think he said, um, at that point. So I know there was a lot of like pre-work that went into that. And, and that was just the most amazing feeling though, to have that moment of like, all of a sudden, this is why I love natural birth. I'm like a huge advocate for it now because like, it's just got that relief is just immediate. I mean, it felt, it feels just like, wow, I just, just did this awesome thing. And yes, there's post birth things that happen that, you know, I didn't know about that. Then you start to, you have to re channel that breath work and, and dealing with that but you really don't care at that point because you're holding your baby and you're just like so obsessed with what just happened that you don't, you just work through whatever you have to work through at that point. So did you feel the delivery of your placenta? Honestly, don't remember it at all. Um, I don't think I was even like, I was so just like, like Mm -hmm. looking at her and she, I mean, they put her on my stomach and within two minutes, she had army crawled up literally to my neck. Like she was so, (laughs) and they were delivering my placenta (laughs) or like, I don't, you know, helping me with all of that. And I was like, literally like, Hey guys, Uh, (laughs) like, cause I, I just couldn't get her down. Um, She was trying to nurse, you know, trying to start nursing. She was, had missed the breast completely was all the way up (laughs) by my neck already ready to go. So getting her, you know, repositioned funny story. Also, I would highly recommend making sure whoever's helping you knows how to get your bra off. If you're choosing to labor in a bra, Jake could not get my bra (laughs) off. It was like this new target bra that I bought. And I was like, I bought it on purpose because it was like a front one that opened that she could like, I, I wouldn't have to like take it completely off or like whatever. So it was so funny. Like he was so frustrated with this silly, silly bra top from Target. And I couldn't do it because I have one hand and the baby. And it was like <laughs> just this moment too that you're just like, this is real life, you know, like you 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 picture the way it's gonna go and and then you're ended up you end up laughing about how to get this silly bra top opened. Scissors work really great. Just buy two <laughs> of them, you know, it's like $15 yeah. down the drain. Well, it's you probably just had an IV port because you didn't have any medical interventions, no Pitocin, anything like that. So maybe just a port in your arm. I They had an IV in my hand and I actually have been talking to my midwives about this this time around because I remember that actually being something that really bothered me um, yeah. more so. I, I remember thinking that was like honestly one of the worst parts pre, post, even during labor. Um, oh. It was just really bugging me. Can we talk about it? Can I, can I like doula you for this next baby? Okay. I'm going to give you like pros, cons, risks, benefits. Okay. For an unmedicated birth. Did you have a hemorrhage with Leah? No. Okay. So our risk factors for hemorrhage are previous hemorrhage, post date, which you were, and you probably will be again. So you have a risk factor, second babies 
or mul- multiple babies. So you got another risk factor there. Mm-hmm. Long labors. You didn't have that risk factor. Big babies. How much was Leah? How much did she weigh? She was 813. That's a big baby for, for your tiny frame. I can see through this Zoom camera or whatever. So you had a couple risk factors for a hemorrhage. So if you have no risk factors, you know, I would say like push back a little bit, but you had a couple of risk factors there. I always advocate for the IV port to go in the arm, okay? Because then that way you can get on your hands and knees and you don't feel it in your hands and you don't feel it as much. And so you don't ever want it in the crook of the arm or in the hand. So you always want to advocate, like put on your birth plan to have it in this um, forearm if you have one. Now, you can always delay your IV port until closer to delivery. So maybe like when someone who's in the room with you or you're feeling like if you were to like, oh, this baby's dropped down, that's an option to delay that IV port to like closer to delivery. Mm-hmm. Here is a pro for an IV port, a big one. Our bodies are so smart, right? So if you start to hemorrhage, the very first thing every vein and artery in your body does is vasoconstrict. It's going to sh- clamp down. It's really hard to get an IV in when you're just clamped down because it's trying to reduce your blood flow so that you stop hemorrhaging, right? So if we're hemorrhaging and we're trying to reactively get an IV port in, that could, seconds could matter. Not like you're going to die, but like if you lose too much blood, you just feel terrible, you know, you just are anemic and you're short of breath and you just don't have any energy if we lose too much blood. And it's just like t- losing too much blood is just like terrible, right? right? So those are things to consider when deciding whether or not you will consent to an IV port. You could mm-hmm. delay it. You could say no altogether. You could say yes if it's appropriately placed. I would also delay it until you get into that room, Jenna, and you mm-hmm. see where that bathtub is and which way you would sit in that bathtub because you want it to be in the arm that would be out of the bathtub, okay? Mm -hmm. So that's just much easier to labor with one arm kind of out of the tub, even if they wrap it, then the arm that's in the inside is more likely to get wet and then they're more likely to have to replace it. So those are just some of my like little doula tips for this next sweet little girl that's on her way is that when you're crafting your birth plan and you're making some of these decisions, if it hurt your hand, don't put it in your hand. If you don't want it at all, have that courageous conversation with your midwives up front to say, what are my real risk factors here if I go to 42 weeks again? Because that is a risk factor and I have a big baby again for a postpartum hemorrhage. But also there are some concessions too of like, how do I have proactive care for hemorrhage versus reactive care? And maybe you talk to them about administering Pitocin after the birth to help the uterus to clamp down or utilizing a medication to help the uterus clamp down. So there's other ways to prevent hemorrhage besides an IV port. So if you don't want the IV port, you could also talk about what are other strategies that we could use. Does that make sense? So Amazing. Thank hopefully, you that. You're welcome. So <laughs> I'm like, hopefully that helps you with this next baby, but then hopefully that helps others that are listening too. Yes, of so did you do delayed cord clamping and all of that? kind of thing or anything special with your placenta afterwards? I did. I did all, I, like I, I said at the beginning, I said yes to, to all the, all the things that you could possibly do. Um, I did the, I asked for delayed cord clamping. It felt not so delayed in the moment, but again, you kind of lose your sense of time too. 
with all of that. So I trusted that they did wait until everything stopped pulsing to, to do that. And I did have um, my placenta dried and encapsulated and the, uh, my doula took care of that with the people that she uh, works with. And, and so it was nice to be able to have that on hand too, after for postpartum recovery and that sort of thing. And yeah. Yeah. I'm a big fan of placenta encapsulation. Okay. Here are two more things that I'm going to give you for you and everyone listening for somebody who's all in and says yes to all the things. I will encourage you, Jenna, on this time to ask your midwives. I know them all well. So this is something I learned from them. Like I'm giving you the, the teachings that they taught me. Ask them to just reach down and hold the umbilical cord while you're holding your baby too. It's, it's right at their belly button, you know? So hold that umbilical cord and feel the pulse. It feels like just when you feel your pulse in your neck and you'll feel it stop. It's really wow. cool. So you can just be holding her and feeling that pulse. And then you say, I believe the pulse is gone. And Jake, if he's going to cut the cord, cut the cord or something like that. Okay. You can also with the midwifery group that you're with in any group, don't cut until the placenta is delivered. So most of my clients, their baby is born their placenta is born, then we cut the cord. We know for sure that the placenta and the umbilical cord, like they've done their job, okay, mm -hmm. when you deliver mm -hmm. the placenta. And then the other thing I always encourage my clients is put some gloves on and look at your placenta. Take a look at it, like see where it was attached, like before they take it to encapsulate it and for you to ingest it, look at it, like look at the sack, look at the cord, like Look at all of the parts and your midwife will walk you through it. So if you don't want to glove up, they'll glove up and they'll sh open it up and show it to you. And, and it's such a beautiful thing to honor that. So cool. Yeah. Okay. Well, before we go, Jenna, I just wanted to do a quick like practice that I do with all of my doula clients. I've never done it on this podcast before. I just feel like God is speaking to me and I really want to do this with you because you're nine weeks out. So what I'm going to ask you to do is just a kind of a quick connection. So just kind of close your eyes and take a couple of deep breaths and put your hands on your baby girl and just kind of breathe some light into her. Let your shoulders drop down. Just kind of start to think about like giving birth to her. And what I'm going to ask you is this time, you know, you're at this hospital and you know the group of midwives that you're with. And I want you to share with us your vision for this birth. So if this was like the, the mall and we were going to like, instead of build a bear, we're like build a birth. I want you to like tell me and tell the audience right now, like dig deep right now. And I firmly believe, Jenna, that as you're driving around, as you're playing with Leah, as you're connecting with Jake, as you're taking a shower, that you are getting messages about how this birth will go. And so just hoping that you will share with us like your vision. If your birth were to go exactly as you want it to go in your mind, tell me about it. What day is it? What time of day is it? Who is there? How do you feel? And how does it go? Wow. I picture... It being actually November, even though I'm due October 29th. And so already preparing for a November baby in my mind. I also would love for 
me to start feeling contractions like right around eight or 9 PM at night so that my daughter's asleep and she misses kind of the whole mommy's got to leave moment or, you know, being in that chaos of whatever that looks like leaving the house so that we could just have a family member come over and stay here with her while she sleeps. And me knowing that she is asleep and safe and well taken care of while I'm laboring, I think would bring a lot of peace of mind. Now that I'm a mom doing this kind of a different story, I picture a smooth drive to the hospital, hopefully not far enough into my labor that I'm already at that transition breathing moment of really having to focus in, but hopefully catching the contractions early enough so that I can get there and get through whatever the hospital may deliver to us with triage and the check-in process, especially during the times that we're in right now with um, more of a clear mind so I can communicate effectively with people. I really, that is one of my fears is getting there and being so far along that I'm not able to actually like get properly checked in and situated before I get to that moment. Cause I know this one's going to be even faster, most likely than the first one. If the story goes how most people say it will with second babies and on my first labor was already super quick. And then of course, um, picturing my mom there and my husband there. I wish Cameron could be there again. There's some rules against that right now at this moment. So I'm already kind of preparing myself for it to just be my husband and my mom there with me this time. And I'm so excited to have one of the amazing midwives that I've been working with there. I don't care who it is. I love them all. And just grateful that I'm going to have the peace of mind knowing that they're there and in 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 charge this time. And I'm not going to have to advocate for myself as much as I did last time, knowing that they know what I want and they know my journey. And I just pray for, a again, that internal strength that I feel like I pulled out from me the first time around, maybe even stronger this time because I'm more knowledgeable and more prepared, I think. And I'm, you know, just have more wisdom after going through it once that I can, again, focus the fight and not let fear take over of knowing what's to come, but just stay in that present moment and really enjoy it. I want to actually remember more about it this time than I feel like last time felt more like a blur because it was also new and all, all this stuff was happening. I want to really be present and actually feel more and, 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 and be able to recall more about the experience this time. And of course, hope for a healthy baby girl. I want to really focus on pushing slower and not in a stressful environment this time so that I'm working with my body. And I'm, I know that having a midwife be there to support me with that will help to guide me with the contractions that my body, the natural, you know, ejection sensation of my body working with that versus working against it. Like I felt like we were last time for a bit and um, in the hopes that I would not have any tearing, be able to really deliver the baby and have um, an easier recovery process after. So I can just focus on being a mom of two. I love it. So audience, we are going to end and I am going to sit with Jenna for a couple of minutes and do my doula thing about her vision. And so if you want to know more about that, you need to hire yourself a doula. So 
Jenna, thank you so much for sharing. Can you remind everyone where to find you? Yes, I would love to connect with you guys. I'm at Jenna Lee Rude is my Instagram. You can send me a message on there. I'm on all social media platforms at Raised on Plants. You can go to raisedonplants.com as well and send us a message through there to connect with our brand and all the stuff that our family's doing. And I just love making new mom friends all over the world. So send me a message and let me know if anything that was shared today helped you or inspired you or you need support and I'll, I'll be there for you. And I would love to connect with you maybe even that week after you give birth because this is due to come out in about nine weeks or so. And so I think it's going to kind of coincide with baby number two. And then we would love to get an update on how your second birth went. I think it would be really fun to add that in. So Jenna, thank you so much for being here. And I appreciate you so much and everything that you do for women and for making healthy families. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Birth Story. My goal is you will walk away from each episode with a clear picture of how labor and delivery might go, and that you will feel empowered by the end of your pregnancy to speak up, plan and prepare for the birth you want, no matter what that looks like. 